Yeah, this is Rob from Machine Head. Thank you for the time, and, and more importantly, thank you for another brilliant Machine Head album, Catharsis. And uh, I think that's kind of the whole purpose of, of music is to be cathartic, and certainly seems like you did that on this album. Oh, yeah, for sure. We kind of got into groove when we started writing it. We had, you want to get those three or four bangers under your belt. And I think at some point we just started getting weird. (laughs) And it was like, it was a good weird. And uh, we just kind of marinated in that for a while. And then I think a lot of times when you write music, you don't really know where you're going. I mean, even if your band has a style, even if as an artist, you're just looking inward or looking outward and trying to just make sense of of everything and along that journey you end up with a collection of songs you know in our case that are almost a year apart and i think you just kind of take what you you write and take your experiences in life and try and channel it into into what you're doing feels kind of autobiographical almost a lot of the lyrics on this one yeah some of it some of it for sure is is definitely autobiographical you know songs like california bleeding or triple beam or you know even catharsis with this record in particular, not that I haven't done this in the past, but with this record, I really focused on storytelling. I wanted to have just really clear, almost simple ideas telling a story. And I think in the past, just in metal in general, you know, that you tend to get into this kind of, you know, cool words, <laughs> words that sound cool, words that sound heavy, but it doesn't necessarily make any sense. I just really got into storytelling on this record. And... I found that the songs, for whatever reason this time around, really lent themselves to that. I think that's what a lot of people identify with. You know, I think that at the end of the day, like, that's what kind of holds the fragments of society together, these stories that we believe. And it was cool writing like that. You know, in a lot of ways, when I when I write these kind of autobiographical tales, they're almost in, in a third person for me. You know, like, I almost have to look at myself in this third person. kind of helped me write. But it was fun doing it, and, and I think that's one of the, the important things that people relate to on this record. Absolutely. With such a biographical album and uh, I don't know, you certainly have lots of stories to tell. Have you started thinking about maybe one day doing a book? It might happen someday. A lot of people ask me for it. You know, I write, the, I got a thing, a blog that I do called the general journals. And a lot of people always ask you to like write a book, but I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of life to be led still, you know, you know, too early for a book, you know, like maybe one day I'll look back and, or maybe I won't, you know what I mean? Robert Plant never wrote a book, you know what I mean? And he's never going to, he straight up said that. I was listening to him on Howard Stern the other day. He's like, I don't need to write a book. And like, and like, yeah, I see the, the pros and cons to doing it. And I, I think it just kind of like those people that are willing to and those that don't or you know but just kind of wanted to see where you fell down on that but yeah good point with the general's journal i mean that can uh, that could be your cliff notes to writing it if you do decide one day right <laughs> love what you're doing with this you know evening with machine head and uh you know keeping it just one band come out and see us and kind of curious if you're as you keep going with this if you're going to involve it maybe like into a machine head cruise Ugh, no, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I hate cruises, and I hate the idea of metal cruises. Nothing sounds worse to me in my life. You know, like I don't even want to go on a cruise with just me and my wife and kids. Like, if I go on vacation, I need to be off of a boat. <laughs> like, I need to be free to roam wherever I need to go. You know, like I want to go adventure. Last thing I want to do is sit on a boat for four days. And, uh, you know, for us, the evening with thing has just been, it's been amazing, man. Like, it has been 
amazing. We played our hometown, Oakland, last night. Played the Fox Theater, first time playing there. And, uh, and it was a huge statement. It was our biggest home show in history. It was our biggest North American show in history. And it was such an amazing feeling. We played for three hours last night. Wow. We busted out songs for the first time, you know, for the first time in, in North America, songs that we hadn't played. It was, you know, the whole tour has been amazing. But last night was such a special moment. You know, we're the, we're the only metal band outside of Metallica to try and headline that venue. And, you know, they do it as like kind of a, a small show. Right. <laughs> but we're the only band from the, we're the only Bay Area metal band to attempt it. And, you know, sure, Lamb of God comes through and they they bring Kill Switch and Gage and Testament and they can sell it out. But, you know, last night was just us and it was, it was insane. It was insane. <laughs> and it was such a huge statement. And that's what we wanted to do. We really wanted to make a statement like, no, this is, you know, this is our hometown. You know, Fox Theater is a beautiful, pristine, amazing, you know, kind of classic 1920s style theater, restored, you know, immaculate. And and last night was seriously one of the greatest shows in the history of the band. It was such a special night. And I'm still on such a high from it. It was amazing. I think just doing... You know, this format, you know, I think we took a lot of bands out. You know, we took Suicide Silence out. They're from the Inland Empire. Yeah. And uh, shout out shout out to Suicide Silence. But, uh, you know, I think people just, you know, our fans did not, like most of the time our fans didn't want to see the opening band anyway. Like they just want us. And, you know, I think we kind of got into that whole package tour mentality that metal bands have kind of gravitated towards where, you know, it's got to be seven bands or, you know, God for sake now, it's like the radio shows are like 140 bands. Every two days. <laughs> right. And it's like a, you know, it's like a rock and roll buffet. We did that. We did that whole game. And at a certain point, we just, we hated it. There's no connection with the audience. It could be any band up there. You know, everybody can get the circle bit around the sandboard now. And, and we just, you know, I think a lot of the reason that we do this is because we need to feel this connection with our audience and feel this deep connection. And and we have, you know, when we do our headline shows, we have this unbelievably deep connection with the head gangsters. And we just were like, you know what? Like, we just need to do our own thing. I don't know if this is going to work. You know, lots of people try to talk us out of doing an evening with Machine Head. You know, it's something that jam bands do. It's something that the hippie bands do. It's not going to work for metal. And we just reached a point where we were like, you know what? I don't know what's going to work, but we got to try something different. And we rolled with it, and people loved it. People yeah. loved it. And, you know, we did 250 shows out of 283 on the last album as an evening with, and it was a huge success on every level. We took it to four continents. We took it to South America. We took it to Australia, Japan, you know, Asia, America three times, you know, Europe three times, and it was across the board just a huge success and we're doing it again and it's working even more we're drawing more now than we have the last five headline tours combined when we had packages wow and it's it's an amazing feeling it's an amazing tells us that we're doing something right and people keep coming out so we keep on doing it man
Yeah, no, you're proving you're proving all the naysayers wrong. And like you said, second kind of album cycle of doing this and, and killing it. The only thing you're missing is uh, dinner and drinks, you know, provided by Machine Head at the Machine Head Evening <laughs> <English> Show. <laughs> are you into the craft beer scene at all? Have you thought about maybe a Machine Head craft beer like a lot of bands are doing? Yeah, we've done a couple, actually. We've done a couple. We've got a, we've got a company uh, up here in the Bay Area called Altamont Brewing Company. They were real, amazing and a huge Machine Head fan. And so they did a burning red lager and they did a couple of, did an ale we're gonna do we're gonna do a blackening ale coming up with them here in fact so nice yeah cool yeah so you, so it's you're cool. you're into the craft beers is what, what's your favorite style you know for me i'm not super crazy on the ipas i tend to like the ones that are you know like some of those ipas are so bitter they'll rip your tongue out <laughs> right <laughs> like, right I'm, I'm i'm into i'm into the more kind of like milder sweeter ones and like if i was to peg it at something it's kind of like that holland dutch kind of ale lager, you know what i mean yeah sounds like you are into the craft routine. oh yeah yeah i love love the ipas and there's a ton of them out here in the ie man there's popping up like wildflower and it's and, amazing right like yeah. it's such a huge movement like it's a movement oh like, yeah it's a crazy you know, like all these people getting turned on to you know this really good super high quality like moving away from the cord lights and the bud lights yeah. and going into this whole kind of thing it's cool I've, I've long made the analogy. It's kind of like music, like going to a brewery. You try out the red and the IPA and the stout and the lager and the blonde. It's almost like discovering a band and checking out an album and going through the different tracks. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a it music is. junkie and I'm a beer junkie. Those are my two favorite things. So I, I see a lot of similarities between the two for sure. Totally. Speaking of uh, hometown turf, uh, baseball kind of getting underway into spring here. Are you an Oakland A's fan? Do you ever make it out to a game or not your scene? Uh, you know what? I'm friends with some of the guys. I was, uh, I was, I was good buddies with Sean Doolittle. And so he'd get us out to the games and stuff. And then he just got traded. So he's on the nationals now. Ah, bummer. But, um, yeah, but you know, there's, there's a bunch of machine head fans on there. I'm actually really good friend with Tony LaRusa. He's working with Boston now, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, obviously X, X Ames. I get out there. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm the biggest baseball fan out there, and I think that's kind of the charm. Like some of these guys, like will we'll become friends, and it's like I'm not the baseball groupie dude. Right. So they're like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like we can just talk about music or whatever. Sports team in the Bay Area, especially with the Warriors, it's like it's amazing. You know, like Warriors fever is rampant. How do you feel about the Raiders moving? Um, you know what? I think it's going to be good, man. I think it's a good vibe for them to go to Vegas. You know, we got Gruden back for one year. Been a Raiders fan for a long time, and you know you you kind of suffer through that <laughs> for a long time. You know, it's one more reason to go to Vegas. I mean, they've always had that kind of decadent, you know, villain imagery anyway, and to go to Vegas just kind of amplifies that a little bit. They're going to have a brand new stadium. Well, the stadium they're in right now is literally it's still from the '60s. You know what I mean? Like, right. We got a couple of buddies on there too, and they're like, "Man, it's rough, bro." <laughs> so <laughs> let me get you on a, a couple other things here, Robin. And you know, I've been on this kind of uh, mission and asking everybody because I fell in love with the band and then fell out of love with them, and I've kind of refallen in love with them. And I'm dying to know kind of how you discovered them, especially being from the Bay Area, Northern California. But I'm talking about the band we mentioned before, the Almighty Metallica. Kind of take me back to when and how you first heard Metallica. So 
I got into Metallica. I had a buddy named Jim Pittman who was really big into the underground tape trading scene, and, and he and I got into it together about the same time. But I'm definitely going to give him the credit for kind of finding and discovering everything. And uh, so I got into them when they were still making demos. And so he turned me on to them. And there was this radio station up in the Bay Area called KUSF, Rampage Radio, and it was a college station out of UC San Francisco. From 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. on Saturday nights, they would play super underground punk rock and metal. So, you know, Discharge and GBH and Early Metallica and Exodus and, and Slayer and Angelus and Iron Maiden and all this stuff that was like totally brand new style of music. Right. And um, he would record them and then we would listen to these super staticky cassette tapes. <laughs> just be like, what is this? Like, this is the crazy, you know, in a perfect time. You know, we were in Fremont, so I was about 45 miles away from San Francisco. So we were like, we might as well have been in freaking Nevada back then. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, so we started really getting into it and found that there was this whole underground scene of tape traders. And so we started trading people and getting bootlegs and getting demos from all over America, all over California, all over the world. And uh, Metallica was coming through and they were opening for Raven. And they were playing the Keystone Berkeley. Yeah, I talked my dad into dropping us off at the show. Nice. Of, we didn't have a car. And none of us could drive. And uh, he dropped me and my buddy Jim over. And we watched it. And it was Exodus opening, Metallica supporting, and then Raven headlining at this, you know, 400-capacity club that had probably 250 people in it. <laughs> and I just remember, like, I just stood in place and headbanged and, like, tried to headbang as hard as Cliff Burton was headbanging up the entire time. Oh, and uh, and Hetfield was wearing a, it, it was a Ronald Wilson Reagan shirt and it had an upside down <laughs> cross on it and it said Ronald 6, Wilson 6, Reagan 6. <laughs> it was fury and fire and Literally, my dad picked us up. We couldn't even stay for the end of Raven because my dad had to pick us up to, you know, drive us back. And the whole way home, my buddy and I were like, we're starting a band. We're going to play thrash metal. We're going to be faster than everybody else. And, you know, just, it was for me, it was my Ed Sullivan Beatles moment. You know, you always hear about the old cats yeah. talking about how they fly as the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. That was my Ed Sullivan moment. That was the reason that I just, you know, like I was going to be in a band. And that was it from that point on. They made you want to pick up a guitar. I already picked up a guitar by that point, but that was the decision where I was like, I'm going to be in a band. I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to get out of Fremont. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Hey, just to pick one, I always like to say, like, your deep cut and then, like, your like radio hit for Metallica. Deep cut would be Trapped Under Ice. Ooh. Total banger. The Raider. Love it. Ride the lightning. Uh, super thrashy and pissed. And for the hit, got to go with Sad But True such nice. a good song like just a timeless classic song Slayer calling it a career can you believe it? it's crazy to me <laughs> I can't believe that it still hasn't sunk in I'm like no you know who knows how long it's gonna go on I'm sure it'll go on for a while but yeah, that's a hard one to wrap my head around man do you think they're gonna stick you with know, it or, or do what everyone else does and come back a year or two later we did uh, we did 85 shows with those guys on our first album and we became pretty good friends and uh, I've talked to them all at various times and and we stayed friends and I think they're serious I don't want to say there's bad blood between them but I think that they're they're just ready to kind of like end on a high note you know this is the thing that I trip on if you think about the classic rock and roll bands of your the Led Zeppelins the Beatles the Black Sabbaths it was 10 years that they lasted the Beatles made 
all of that mind-boggling, <laughs> unbelievably future forward-thinking music, you know, changing with evolution like no other band in the history of music, literally, and tapping into what was happening with the culture at the same time, all in 10 years. Wow. In a 10-year period, Led Zeppelin, the same thing, 67 to 77. Black Sabbath, 69 to 79. That's it. Yeah. You know, and then it, it went away. And in some ways, because it went away, it became that much more powerful. And, you know, you think about bands now, and, you know, even we're talking about thrash metal bands. Metallica's been around 36 years. Slayer, 36 years. Almost four times as long as any of those classic bands of yours. For them to, to call it a day and say, you know what, we're calling it a day, and, you know, we're going to end on this note, which is, frankly, a pretty freaking high note. I mean, good for them, you know, because I'm sure it's hard to sit there and go, you know, this thing that I've done forever is now going to end, but... In the long run, it's only going to make the legend of Slayer that much bigger, just like it did with the Beatles and Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. Yeah. You know? And you look at somebody like Robert Plant, who <laughs> I'm sure those Led Zeppelin residuals, <laughs> still, oh yeah, you know, they're rolling in good, you know. But for sure, the fact that he still says no all these years later because he's like it's never going to live up to the hype of what it could be. What it was, like, was. that takes and uh, that takes an unbelievable amount of balls and courage and frankly artistic integrity to just go. I can't do that. I have to do something else. And by doing so, elevates it even more. No, I, I think you're totally right. They're gonna, like you said, they're gonna go out on top and and it's gonna cement their legacy. Same thing. Pick it. Pick a, a deep cut and a hit from them. Deep cut. So many good ones. Um, let's go. Jesus saves for the deep cut. You got to go. Deadskin mask for the hit. Oh, because that's yeah. the hit. I love that. That's my favorite jam. One of them for sure. Rob, I appreciate all the time today. It was a blast talking to you. Big fan and, and such an honor. Thank you so much for the time and uh, best of luck out there on the road and, and the evening with tour rolling on. Right on, man. Thank you. Later. Bye.